that way. And today we're actually starting a new series on relationships. Because I know uh, relationships make a massive difference to our life when they're going well. Quite often life's going well. When relationships are not going well, often life isn't going well. So they're really critical to life. So as a church, we're going to spend a few weeks uh, speaking into relationships because they matter and our life matters and it depends on how they're going to how we feel and how we're doing life. And you've just got to look at statistics to know that it is a real issue in our society that today there are way too many broken relationships. Relationships that could be and should be really strong are actually breaking down causing heartache, causing uh, situations in families and uh, with friends to just disintegrate. And it's so sad, but it's an issue that is real. It's an issue that is in our society right now. And it's good that we can spend some time focusing. Who would like to have their relationships go even better from this day on? I'm definitely in that, uh, that group that want to keep going because I think God wants us to keep going. I know that God wants us to be uh, doing well in this area of life because... God's concerned about our whole being. He's concerned about all of it. It all matters to Him. He's not this God that just wants us, you know, to, to come to Him and just have Him call Him Father and He doesn't care about how we're doing in life and He doesn't care about this or that. He cares about all the areas of life and relationships matter and care to Him. He wants our future to be wonderful. He wants our relationships to be making a big difference in life. He is with us on this journey, and He wants us progressing. He wants us moving forward in life, and if we're doing relationships well, life gets momentum, life gets, goes well for us, and we should be striving and doing all that we can to make sure we're pushing forward in this area of life. One of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 4.8, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. I know that when I'm in Christ and when I'm following what He would call me to do, I know that this is a reality for my life, that it should be getting brighter, the day should be looking better, that, I, that I'm actually moving forward. He wants me to progress in that. And I know if my relationships and I'm destroying them and I'm doing them poorly and I'm, I'm putting up barriers and I'm, and I'm causing people to not like me, this day will not occur for me. This stuff matters, and I want to move into that kind of day where things are getting brighter around me, life is getting better around me, because that's where God would love to lead us to. Relationships impact greatly on your destiny. If we're not good at them, your destiny will be nowhere near where it can be. Pastor Phil actually says that he believes that for him, 90% of his destiny is tied up in other people. He just knows that it's been other people that have been used in his life to open doors, to move him forward, to encourage him, to have bigger faith, to have bigger dreams. It's so often done with the people that God would put around his life. I was thinking about my world. Every job I've ever had in my life has come through relationship. Every one of them. Every one of the jobs I've ever had is because of relationships, because I knew someone or someone knew me, because they knew what my life was about and they saw a good match. And they, Every single one of them has come around that. That's a good thing. 
I kind of have appreciated not had to have to have gone through uh, job interviews because doors have just been open like this. And so often, God uses relationships for so many things in our lives. So if we're living our lives as Christ would want us to live them in Him, He's going to be pulling us forward in this area of life within relationships. And what I love is not only will our lives get better, we can bring other people towards a relationship with Jesus because of how we do this one thing. Paul himself says, I am all things to all men, so I can lead them unto the Father. All things to all men. He saw that how he did life mattered. He knew that he could do life in a way that some people would be saved. I love that. I love that. Galatians 5.14 makes a big statement. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. One word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. One word, love. A big, clear direction. A base for life. For all the relationships we're involved in. For how to do life, the law is fulfilled in the one word. You shall love your neighbor. One of the most powerful principles Jesus ever gave us was, however, you want others to treat you, treat them like that. Matthew seven twelve says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. What a great reminder. You don't like to be shouted at. Hey, might be good to not shout at others. If you don't like to be pulled down, maybe don't pull down others. We could go through a whole list of all the things that we don't like in our life, but sometimes we actually put onto other people. It's a great reminder. Would I like that? Would I like to be spoken to in that way? It's a great reminder and it's a great principle that Jesus sets out really clear. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. See, there's a lot of areas we're educated on in life. A lot of us would have had great education around our uh, careers, but I doubt many of us have received much education or training around relationships. But when you look at the state of marriage, for instance, in Australia, there's about 100,000 marriages that get registered in this country every year. And there's 50,000 marriages every year that get terminated. That's an issue. That's an issue in society. That sometimes is, is kids having to deal and walk through that. That's broken hearts. That's dreams that are shattered. These are things that matter to God. That percentage is too high. And I just wonder if as people we could do better in relationships, how many of those situations could have been saved. People say the most stressful error in their life is when their relationships aren't going well. It matters. But on the upside, when we relate successfully to the people in our world, it is so important and can see us doing life and achieving and attaining so much. An author, Margaret Whitley, says relationships are all there is. Everything in the universe only exists because it is in relationship to something else. Nothing exists in isolation. We have to stop pretending we are individuals that can go it alone. Good statement. Let's not do it alone. It's relationships. It's with each other. 
It's the way it should be done. It's the way it can be done. It's the way for it to, to happen well in our life. Keith Ferrazzi, who wrote a great book called Never Eat Alone. If you've got that book, it's this bright orange book. says this, Poverty, I realise, wasn't only a lack of financial resources, it was isolation from the kind of people that could help you make more of yourself. It was isolation. Don't isolate yourself. Get good at relationships so that you have a huge pool of people around you in life who can help you, who will stand with you. Because as you become more attractive in the, in the area of relationships, guess what? Great people get attracted to you. Yeah. And you've got more good people around you to do life with. Don't be those people that, you know, people want to steer away from. Be someone who does relationships in such a way that others would be attracted to you. Others would be attracted to you. It's also well documented, fact that people who are more connected with other people live longer and are healthier. That's a fact. Study shows that. That's a big deal. These are great reasons to really do our best in this area. And this is often the secret is really to really find out to make relationships matter to you and to do them well, to be not always looking at what I can get out of them, but what I can put into them, what I can put into them, how I can meet that person's needs, how I can be what they need in a friendship, how I can be what they need in a relationship. It's how we should do it. I think that's how it's done best, say, within a marriage situation. And we're going to look at C three C's this morning. We're C3, so we're going to look at uh, three C's here this morning. And the first one is around this area of couples. Uh, A book, The New Leader's Day by Daniel Goleman says this, Couples who are in love trigger in one another's brain surges of oxytocin, which creates a pleasant, affectionate feeling. Isn't that interesting? That other people can change our very physiology and thus our emotions. But it's not about fact-giving. It's not all about facts. It's about that connection, that relationship, meeting their needs, where this can happen within a friendship or a relationship. It really matters. There was a book. Has anyone read the book, His Needs, Her Needs? It's a few hands. A very, very well-known book uh, around marriage. And it talks about each of us having a love bank. And every time you do something nice or say something nice to your wife or to your husband, you're depositing something in their love bank. This emotional bank increases every time this happens. That's good news. But when you place pressure on them to do something they don't want to do, you're making a withdrawal. Some people have been taking from each other for so long They've both overdrawn in their love banks. They're running on empty. And once you're there, you can't borrow on the promise that you'll pay it back tomorrow. This whole idea of this love bank, this love bank, we should be looking at these things and doing well in them. This same author did a study, and this is really interesting, and he looked at uh, her needs against his needs. Do you want to hear them? The top five needs for her. The first one, affection. The second one, conversation. 
And all the ladies said, Amen, including my wife. I think I should highlight this, underline it. I might put some italics on it. I think I'll expand the fonts. I know my life, my wife loves this one. I know I've got to continually work at it. Honesty is another one. Financial security, commitment to the family. They're the things that this study found that the women needs. The men, however, have some different ones. Sexual fulfillment. And all the men, no, I don't need to remind you to do that. Playing together, attractiveness to the spouse, domestic support, admiration. And what this author found, and he counseled like thousands of couples, and as he started to realize that the needs are completely like opposite between what he needs and what she needs, he started to realize something. Marriage is hard work. It's not easy, it's difficult, and it needs time, and it needs energy. Can't just be this love story, this fuzzy falling in love, and then it's happy ever after. Takes work. Am I right, Mick? Am I right, Gordon and Julie? Dorian and Rose? They're early days, they're early days. But it takes work. And I'm glad that we've got this marriage seminar coming up because we want to help you with that. As a church, we want strong marriages. We want you to do well in this area. And I love that we can offer things like this because happy wife for all the men is happy life. And we need that. We need that. But we're different. There's different needs. And it's good to learn these things so we can do better at it. The next C. We're up to C2, but we will get to C3. Don't you worry. C2 is with our companions. Let's talk about that. I think the, uh, the biblical example of Jonathan and David in the Old Testament is such a brilliant example of two men doing life well, particularly from Jonathan's perspective. Jonathan, he was son to the king. What was he in line for? To become the king. That was what he was lined up. But we see this amazing story. If you haven't read it, I'd encourage you to read it in uh, the book of Samuel. 1 Samuel, if you go and read about this, to read to see how well Jonathan did as a companion, how well he did as a mate. Pretty much, he saved David's life, unlike multiple occasions. Because in the story, you know, Saul wasn't happy with David and wanted to kill him. And there's Jonathan kind of in the middle getting uh, all the info from dad and then running to his buddy to help, you know, help him to avoid death. But there's this this great story of this companionship. And really, in one sense, Jonathan is kind of like Jesus here. He's laying down his life for David, just as Jesus was going to do for his friends that we read about in the New Testament. Jesus said that there's no greater love than this, to lay down your life for a friend. It's not always about laying down to die, but it's actually about doing it in a way of getting alongside people in your world and being everything to them, being the absolute best, to be the person that stands in the gap, to be the person that loves, to be the person that journeys with them, And Jonathan even goes to the point where he gives David his kingly robe, his belt that holds the sword, 
He gives him his armor and his bow. He gave everything to him that would make him, that was making him the prince. And he knew that God had a great plan for David. <clears throat> and as a friend, Jonathan had to stand aside. And Jonathan did stand aside. And it's a great act. In 1 Samuel 23, 16 and 17, it says, Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods. And he strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows it. What a declaration. What a buddy. What a friend that he would be able to say this. I tell you what, when you have good friends, they strengthen you, not weaken you. Good friends strengthen us in Christ, not away from Christ. Good friends reduce fear, doubt, worry, and anxiety, because that's what David had, because he's like, his, his life was on the line. Good friends prophesy over their friends, telling them they're going to do great. Good friends live in an atmosphere of encouragement. This is exactly what Jonathan does, exactly what he does, and he shows us a great way to do life. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. And can I remind us here today, don't be out looking for the Jonathans to come into your life. Be the Jonathans. Be that yourself. Because it's so easy. I need better friends. Who, who, who can be a better friend for me? My other friends are terrible. They're, 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 I need good friends. I need good friends. I, need good, I, 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 I. It's not about that. It's about us putting our place and us doing the Jonathans. Because do you know what is a principle? Is you do that, guess what? The friends just seem to come along. Because you've been so good to the others that God just blesses you with great and mighty friends. So be the Jonathan, be the Jonathan, don't go looking for the Jonathans, be the Jonathan yourself. That is the way to do life, that is the way for you to be attractive to others, and the friends will just come. God will bless you with them as you go out and you do the Jonathans. I think we should give the Lord a round of applause to help us to be Jonathans. Because he did it so well. But the greatest all-time friend is Jesus. He's the one who always has and always will believe in you. He always will remain faithful to you. He does it better than anyone. And today, if he's not your greatest friend, at the end of the service, you'll have an opportunity to have Jesus come into your life and be your great, great friend. And the third C today, so we do arrive at C3, wouldn't have been cool if I ran out of time and I never got to the third one. C3 is how we do life around community. Symbiosis, according to the Webster's Dictionary, is this. The intimate living together of two dissimilar organisms in a mutual beneficial relationship. I think that's how we should do life in the community. We may be very different to people outside these walls. But we should be able to do life in such a way that we find ways to connect, ways to do life with them, ways to journey with them. And I love scriptures because it is full of wisdom 
on how to make relationships work. And we know, as we read before, the bottom line is love. But we need other things around that because sometimes people we love, we fall out of relationship with because we haven't done some things that well. And sometimes I think we've just got to do that and always be open to how the Holy Spirit would lead us to do this well. He's always going to be revealing things to us, revealing where we made errors, revealing where we made mistakes, revealing where we need to step out to connect with someone who might need us in a certain amount of time. But we need to love people. Love people will heal you and keep you healthy. Hating people will only make you sick mentally, emotionally, physically. Benjamin Franklin, one of the founding fathers of the United States of America, when he was a young man, an older gentleman took him aside and gave him a bit of a lashing. He said, Ben, you are impossible. Your opinions have a slap in them for everyone who differs from you. They have become so offensive that nobody cares for them. Your friends find they enjoy themselves far better when you are not around. You know so much, nobody can tell you anything. Indeed, no one will try because it is so uncomfortable and such hard work. So you are never likely to know how much more than you do right now, which is very little. He made a change from that day. He went on to say, I made it a rule to forbear all direct contradiction to the sentiment of others. I forbade myself the use of words that indicated that I was saying unquestionably correct. Rather, I used phrases such as, I conceive, I imagine, or it appears to me. Presenting my opinions in a modest manner procured a far readier reception and less contradiction. I had less mortification when I was in the wrong And I more easily prevailed when I happened to be in the right. What a good lesson to learn. A lesson that he learned that helped him in life. And there's so many areas, I'm going to touch on these before we end here this morning, that I think biblically gives us great direction to do life well. The first one is to be agreeable. We need to get along with people. We need to get along with them. And by saying things like, I agree, finding those points of agreement, not disagreement, can be really helpful. We'll meet lots of people that have very, very different opinions on faith. But I tell you what, you can put up the biggest wall within seconds if you handle the situation the wrong way. We need to make sure that we do it well. I love, I mentioned before about Paul becoming all things to all people. And the 1 Corinthians 9, around that same passage in the message says this, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. 
I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Find these areas of agreement. You can connect with people. I can remember the first time I ever met Natalie's father, Ian. Natalie and I have been dating for about three or four months, and I was traveling back to South Australia where her family was to, uh, to actually go to a youth camp. And I can remember eating, uh, meeting her parents at the airport. I firstly remember the very warm embrace they both gave me. He was possibly Natalie's husband-to-be before then, but they embraced me just so beautifully and warmly. And straight away, within moments, I felt accepted, because who knows, it can be a little bit daunting, meeting the possible in-laws. And all of a sudden, I felt, I just felt good about that. And then the next thing that really stood out to me was we had like a three-hour journey that night, into the night, to go to where uh, accommodation was for that evening. And I remember Ian, and I can just remember this so clearly, was driving uh, the, uh, the car that evening, and I was in the seat behind Ian, and he just, he has a brilliant way of connecting with people, and I'm sure Natalie's seen this all of her life. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> he started asking me about this hobby that I enjoy a lot, of surfing. And man, he was so brilliant at just digging around this idea of this sport that I enjoyed. He would just ask these fascinating questions. It felt like we, we spoke about surfing for like an hour. It just made me feel uh, so accepted. It made me feel seen. And, and he was just brilliant at just like asking all these great questions. He's like, oh, so if you fall off your board, do you lose it? I'm going, no, no, you've got a leg rope. Now, to me, that means something, but who knows that to him, leg rope means like, huh? that's just foreign. But he just has this great way. Tell me, tell me about a leg rope. What, what's that made out of? And, and, and how's that attached to the surfboard? And, and how's that attached to your body? So I would explain about this bit of Velcro that would go around your leg, and then you have this, this rubber cord, and then it's got a rope, and you have this little, uh, this little plug in your surfboard, and you put it through the rope, and, and it felt like for like an hour, he was just in agreement with just anything I, I was into and talked to, and I tell you what, he just has this brilliant way of connecting with just about anyone, and I saw it happen right then, and it was a beautiful way and a beautiful reminder how much a good conversation can really help, how we can find areas of agreement to get along with people. It's a good principle because we will meet people in our life, in church, that sometimes we have nothing in common, maybe except for Jesus, but maybe not even that yet. But let's just be good at finding ways to connect, ask the questions, be interested in them, not just about you. How annoying is it when you reach someone and all they want to do is tell you their story? And you speak for 15 minutes and for 14 minutes and 57 seconds, all you hear about is them and their story. And they did this. And this is their opinion. Those people aren't always great to be around. Let's be people who are good at this. Let's not judge people. Take the log out of your eye before attempting to take the speck out of someone else's. Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's ways. Let's not be judging people. God's good at doing that. He's a good judge. He's the righteous judge. Let us not do that. <clears throat> Let's accept people and pull them into our world. 
Romans says, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Accept people. Pull people into your world. Welcome people. Don't refuse people. Take people into your world. Romans says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Always have that moment of that embracing, that shaking the hand, that, that greeting. And can I encourage this? What's better than be greeted with a smile? If you're here today, you're not smiling enough, maybe you can smile a bit more. Because it is one of the most beautiful gifts I think we have to give to anyone else, is the gift of a smile. Some people don't see smiles that often in life, in the workplace, at university, but when they meet you, oh, what a gift you can give them and how easy it is. It's a free gift. Give people smiles. Smile at people. Serve people. Have this attitude, how can I help you? How can I help you? Galatians, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Liberty Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Be on the lookout. Be open to the Spirit leading you. I love watching my wife do this in action because she does it so well. We were all in the car just uh, driving up the hill next to our house like a week and a half ago. And as we drove up, Natalie uh, noticed uh, a neighbor struggling to walk down to her car. And Natalie was like straight away, stop the car, Hartley. So we pulled over, probably uh, found myself quite illegally parked as Natalie jumped out of the car and just went, went to this neighbor of ours. Are you okay? Started asking her, I, I see that you're struggling to even walk and and just had a moment to, to hear her story, had a moment to, to, to touch base with her, had a moment to, to offer, let me know, let Hartley know you've got his number if we can do anything for you. And what a great way to live. How can I help you? Cope with people when they're in pain. Be gracious even when you're annoyed. I need to get better with this one, don't I, Natalie? Be gracious with people. Always love them, even if they're suffering. Speak about God's stuff to each other. Who knows that's a great way to do life. Lead people to those connections. That's why connect groups are so good. Invite people in. Talk about the God things. It'll help. It'll help people on this journey. Take them on that journey. Talk about God's stuff. Entwine that into your conversation. It'll really, really help people. Put people at, at ease. When you connect with them, you should not see their anxiety levels increase. They should decrease. Such should be the connection they have with you. Such should be the connection they have with you. Put them at ease. 1 Thessalonians, therefore comfort one another with these words. Say things like you're going to be just fine. Build people up. Tell them you're strong. You're built for victory. I love the scriptures because in Paul's writings, he's always building up the church. He's always building up the people he's writing to. Let's be people that build people up. Your mouth can make a significant difference. Build up, build up, build up. Tell people they're going to make it. The next one is encourage people. Always, always be encouraging. You will make it. Who knows that they're good words to hear. When you feel with all of your might, you're not going to make it. How good is it when someone comes alongside you and says, you will make it? 
They're good people to have in your life. They're the people we can be. But I love people that say that. You will make it. You're going to make it through. Bring people to the house of God. Be people that are saying, come to church. Come to my connect group. Be those people. Cover for others. Don't expose people. 1 Peter 4, 8, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And as the band come, eat with one another. All the Lebanese people don't need to be reminded of that. But have people over. Be hospitable to one another. Do it with a great attitude. Open up the doors. Meet with people. Open your home. Natalie was a dance yesterday morning and the house was a bit of a, a little bit of a pigsty and I got the message. Hartley, can I bring someone over for morning tea? So there was the husband on Saturday morning and his tracky dacks running around the house, getting it. I caught like 80% of the way when they arrived home, but, but it was so wonderful. This was one of the new arrivals who had been at dance that morning and the house was open, tea was served, coffee was served. It doesn't always have to be flash. Nat found a few bits of fruit to cut up and put on a platter. He loved on their kids. Their kids played with our kids. But it was a beautiful moment. It's kind of like other voices in your house is a beautiful thing. Open up your house. And the last one here this morning is forgive people. If you want to be good at relationships, we need to be good at this. Tear up their debts. Forgive the wrongs. Ephesians 4.32 And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Some of you might be here today and there is unforgiveness bottled up and it's hurt some of the most key relationships in your world. I would encourage you today to take this service as your moment to forgive, to release, to let that thing go. That's what God would want. That's what the relationship needs. It's for you to be always forgiving, letting go, releasing. Because Jesus led in such a beautiful way for that for us. Because not one of us deserves eternity in heaven with him. We don't deserve it, but by the grace of God, we get it. And sometimes we've got to learn from that and think, I need to extend some grace here. I was hurt. What occurred to me was brutal. It wasn't fair. But do we go on living life, holding on to these things? Not according to God's way, not according to His word. We release and we let go. We release and we let go. So there's some things here this morning to help us to journey through life well with each other. But as I said, be the Jonathan. Be the one that, that makes the difference for others. Be the one who, who does it well yourself for other people. And then you'll see goodness come your way. You'll see God blessing you with significant people. When I look around this room, I think about how precious Sundays are because the greatest influences, the greatest friends, the greatest people I get to journey with have been 
that I found in the house of God. Are they perfect? Apart from Mick, no. But oh, how God's good at surrounding us with great people to do life with, to journey with, to go forward with. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God is good here this morning.